Welcome to Beauty 4.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, brainstorming opportunities in tech and cutting-edge innovation for an industry that can thrive. In this sixth episode, we speak with Nadima Kohli, founder of predictive shopping technology Beauty Matching Engine, about the true potential of personalization in a digital and even omnichannel beauty world. Get ready for in-depth insight on enriched data, machine learning, smart sales conversions, and how to truly scale personalized offerings. So thank you so much for joining us for our Beauty 4.0 podcast, Nadima. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for the conversation today. Brilliant. Now, look, you've been in beauty tech for uh, numbers of years now, Nadima. So could you talk us through your experience in the space and more importantly, how you came about founding Beauty Matching Engine? Sure. So it's a space I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, I actually started my career in investment banking, made quite a bit of money, but was so bored. And I used to do a lot of data analysis there, also studied some quant stuff. And then as a hobby, I qualified at the London School of Beauty. So about seven years ago, I launched my first beauty tech company called My Beauty Matches which is the first price comparison website to ever launch just for beauty. And we also did product recommendations there. So now you will see many websites, they have a beauty quiz. So we actually launched that concept six, seven years ago. And then after that, I launched Beauty Tech Dinners in London. And, you know, I started meeting all these CEOs, CMOs, and that's kind of what led up to me launching Beauty Matching Engine. So Beauty Matching Engine is actually a B2B business. And what we do is just like Netflix has this great technology that can predict what to show to customers to watch so that they watch it. We sell a predictive shopping technology to beauty companies so they can predict what the customers want to buy on every step of their page and personalize the whole shopping experience for their customers. Fantastic. And what you're using to back all this up, Nadima, as far as I understand it, is sort of years and years of data and knowledge that you've built up from your previous ventures. Is that right? Yeah. So there's actually three elements to it. So Beauty Matching Engine is essentially a data company built specifically for the beauty industry. And we have all this knowledge that we take from the first company, My Beauty Matches, which has data across 4,000 brands and hundreds of retailers. That kind of starts our engine. And then we also take external data. So it could be temperature, you know, seasonality trends. And then we also work with the client's own data as well. So, you know, we look at what people are buying, etc. But what makes the engine kind of very different to other personalization solutions out there is that it's beauty specific. So we will look at ingredients and we will know what ingredient is for what. We look at product attributes. So if it's a curling mascara or volumizing mascara, and then we also look at the customer profile. So, you know, the hair color, the body concerns, et cetera, et cetera. So it works for every beauty category. We tie in all this information with the click behavior, buying behavior, and other information that we can get, device, time of day, city, 
etc. And then we provide these predictive one-to-one personalized suggestions, which could be on the checkout page or the product page or the home page. And we also couple that with an AI-powered digital beauty assistant feature. So currently we're working with, for instance, Douglas or by Terry. And by combining rich data or enriched data, we have seen like we've increased average order value or sales conversion rate incredibly quickly. And the important part here, it seems that, you know, this is a, a white a white label model that can be highly tailored according to every beauty brand or beauty retailer's needs. Yeah. So when you work with data, you have to think about the end customer. So, for instance, if someone is shopping at Superdrug, they perhaps might be more price sensitive. And if someone is shopping at Harrods, then they're probably going to be more brand sensitive. So the solution does get tailored to the data of the platform of the website. Okay. Yeah. Now, this was launched in 2019. How far has Beauty Match and Engine come since? You know, there was a complex year in between (laughs) you launching and us speaking now. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Gosh, feels so like so long ago, uh, like a different world, right? So we launched it end of 2019. Uh, we won the AI award for all of Europe for best customer innovation and experience. And given COVID and of course the acceleration of digital, I mean digital was already you know moving forward quite quickly, yeah. but then COVID even accelerated it more. And some industries definitely struggled, beauty as well a bit. But at the end of the day, people still want to look good for their Zoom meetings. People still care about self-care and everything is still fueled by social media generation. So this kind of still helped us accelerate the growth for beauty matching engine even more. So we started working with the pharmacy. We started working with the beauty brand. We started working with, I think, the world's top six beauty retailer. Um, We also got taken into L'Oréal's accelerator program because everybody was looking to accelerate their sales even more. So the biggest issue generally with shopping is that people can shop from anywhere, right? So I can buy something from Amazon and then I can buy it from another website and then I can buy it from the supermarket. So the customer cost of acquisition keeps increasing, but the customer lifetime value keeps decreasing. Mm-hmm. And then companies are spending so much money on TikTok or Google ads or social media ads. But again, it's always becoming a crowded space. So now people have realized they've spent all this money to get traffic to their website. But what they really need to now invest in is customer return rate. And, of course, optimizing the sales conversion rates on their website. So, for instance, working with Terry, when we were working with them, you know, for just like a couple of months, we saw the sales conversion rate uplift was 65%, which is very high. And it might sound crazy, but if you're working with a beauty-specific solution, of course, it performs better than a general solution. And then, you know, after the six months and we continued and there's more data, that increased to 81%. And the average order value uplift is 47%. So these metrics are very rare. But 
if you are in fashion, work with a fashion-specific solution. If you're in beauty and you work with a beauty-specific solution, obviously that helps. Yeah. And as the timelines advance and beauty brands and retailers work with your model, the data becomes richer, right? How important is data within the model? So that is our engine, really. So one of the things with data is that data can take a long time. So we, we're an AI-based technology. Um, there's lots of companies that say they're doing AI and they're not, and that's a whole other subject. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, normally if you look at Netflix, the more you watch Netflix, normally the better it predicts what you'd like to see next. And if you're listening to, you know, Spotify music, they will understand what you like. For instance, I love my reggaeton music sometimes. And it picks that up and it can personalize better its recommendations. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, you need people to come back to your platform again and again. Say if I'm shopping from, I don't know, the IT Cosmetics website. If I shop from that website once every two years and the next time I decide to buy that product from, I don't know, Feel Unique or a different platform, then it's going to be very difficult to personalize or predict what I want to buy because I haven't been on your platform long enough. So the only thing that can really help improve that is by having an engine that comes with pre-populated yet relevant data for you. And we have that using the My Beauty Matches data. Others, whether it's email personalization or any kind of personalization you want to do with other tools, normally it will take six months before you see an uplift. Yet, you know, for us, we've always provided an uplift within the first week already because we are using this kind of competitor beauty specific data and applying it on the client's website. Now, one of the things you touched on was our technology gets smarter and smarter. So we are GDPR compliant. So our technology gets smarter because we're using machine learning. But what works for one client will maybe not work for another client. Coming back to the example I shared regarding Superdrug or Harrods. So it's always tailored to that specific company and its customers. Now, in the work that you've done so far, have you Mm. typically been working with more retailers or have you also been working with individual beauty brands? So we're working with both 50-50. I think it's a different challenge for each. Uh, Retailers, in terms of adopting technology, also depends on the size of the retailer, obviously, but most of them, their customers really struggle with choice paralysis. Like if you go to concealer, there's so many. If you go to shampoos, there's so many. So they really struggle with customers coming back to them and really being able to hyper-personalize with and provide one-to-one personalization service to their customers. With brands, it's a bit different. So many of the brands, you know, their technology stack is not their priority in their business, right? It's about brand building and marketing and building amazing products. So for them, if you can help them complete the look or complete a skincare routine or help provide them a 24-7 digital beauty assistant and additionally also personalize every step of the way, that's really helpful for them because that's basically what increased, you know, the average order value 47% for Buy Terry and gave this massive sales conversion uplift. Because instead of your customer buying one product, if every third customer of yours buys 
an additional product that gives you a massive uplift in revenue. And so I suppose in in many ways, the opportunities to use this data and the engine that you've created might differ between brands and retailers. Um, Are there some key clear opportunities that you see for the beauty industry, brands and retailers using this technology? So I think whether it's beauty matching engine technology or other personalization technologies, um, I think they're all very, very key whether it's email, whether it's social media, because everybody knows one size, you know, doesn't fit everyone. And so far, there's been a lot of tools out there that might say they're doing AI or machine learning, but they require you to do a lot of manual segmentation. So you'll have to say, oh, this is a new customer, show them the most popular products. This is a returning customer, show them what they looked at last. And then you run these experiments every two weeks and see how they're performing. And then you play around with them. But how many experiments can you set up? You need so much manpower to run all these things. This is not machine learning. Machine learning, or if you're using NLP, it should be able to pick up what works and what doesn't. And then you want to also use contextual data with weighting. So if someone is shopping for foundation, is it more important to match them to the right shade? Is it more important if they've got eczema to recommend them a product that matches their skin concern? Is it more important to match them with their texture preference, liquid versus mousse versus something else? Or whether it should be a pot foundation or a stick foundation, etc. So to understand all these nuances and what should have more weighting versus another thing. Going back to that, your question, you know, in terms of retailer and brand, For the retailer, there's a lot of choice paralysis, like I mentioned, and they really need something which is beauty specific, which is not just doing manual segmentation. And when it comes to the brands, it's the same thing because you want to create more of a routine and you want to be able to upsell more other products. You already know this customer is interested in your product. And I guess for a brand, the biggest challenge is how do you get your customer to come back to shop from your website versus shopping from a retailer? You really want to be able to personalize the message even more, right? Definitely, definitely. And I suppose that becomes even more complex as well when we're seeing many brands and even retailers take this omni-channel approach, you know, half online, half on the ground in real life stores. Is some of this knowledge and insight translatable to an omni-channel concept? Yeah, to be honest, I'm really excited about this. So I've been banging on about Omnichannel two years ago, and I know it's been like such a big PR buzzword, but I haven't really seen a lot of beauty companies right now adopting it. So I'm in Dubai right now since the lockdown, (laughs) and I will enter some like beauty stores, whether it's in here or when I was in London, and the products suggestions I'm getting in store from a sales assistant is completely different to what I get on the website to the email. And I think that really breaks trust. And if someone already knows what I like to buy and my price points and my color preferences and my brand preferences and my skin concerns and my product attribute preferences, you just make my life so much easier. So can everybody please start doing that and not just talk about it, but actually do it. 
Yeah, because consumer expectations in beauty have really soared in so many aspects. But on this area of personalization, we've seen such an interesting transition, haven't we, with this digital boom about what exactly consumers expect from personalized beauty offerings, what they enjoy about it. Um, how have you seen that journey for the consumer evolve in the years that you've been working in the beauty tech space? Well, I think what's really interesting is, you know, young or older, everybody is on a social media platform. So like on Instagram, the biggest revenue generator is beauty. On YouTube, it's the third biggest revenue driver is beauty. So given all this and given that everybody's got like a mini computer on their hand every day, now customers are so much more informed than often the sales assistants. So often the sales assistants might be, you know, not paid as well or something like that. They might not be being educated by the retailer or the brand about the new products and things like that. So often when you go in to a store, uh, the sales assistants know less than you. And that creates an opportunity to provide them, you know, provide them with a tool in store to educate them and help them assist their customers better. And that's where the whole omni-channel experience comes through. So for instance, I had a mate visiting me here. He wanted to buy an eye cream. I went into a big retailer and I was like, okay, I need some eye cream. I need it for men and I need retinol, but very low dosage, etc. And I had like two or three brands in my mind. And I go there and I'm like, do you have this brand? They're like, I'm not sure. Do you have that brand? I'm not sure. And then the third one, they're like, there it is. But they didn't know about, you know, which product is there or not and what helps. And again, that's just an example of a consumer knowing more than the sales assistant. So technology is the only way to be able to help customers at scale because there's new products launching all the time. There's new trends, new ingredients launching all the time. And the best way to do that is, I would not say use only technology, but use technology to assist and enable the customer shopping experience and save me time. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on how this DIY personalization trend fits in? It's something we're seeing consumers become more at ease with, you know, logging on to perhaps a D2C brand and quite happily filling out a survey and sort of creating their own products by sharing their own individual needs. I suppose in a way that's sort of slightly on the flip side of what your model does, but can, mm -hmm. that, can that concept be integrated into what you do? So yes, we're actually talking to a few of these companies because we can definitely help assist them. But um, these D2C brands, such as like Functional Beauty for Hair, we can create your own uh, product for your hair. These, I think, have been great because the customer has an idea of what they want. And often customers don't just have one concern, right? So when people go shop online, you usually can pick one filter or two. But sometimes you don't just want two things. You want three things. And then you also want to be able to filter on the product attributes. And most companies don't allow you to do that. So when it comes to these companies, I think it's great. I think one of the issues or concerns that I have seen so far is that they obviously come at a premium. So not everybody wants to pay that premium. And yeah. when you're paying a premium, people expect like really quick results and not everybody is wanting to be patient. However, you know how the beauty industry and PR industry works. If two people are doing it, then more people want to do it. So I'd expect more of that to happen. And within all of this, Nadima, and everything that you've built over the years, data is central to, to everything that you do. 
Um, and in many conversations I've had, be it beauty brands, market analysts or retailers, there's this real um, sort of admission, perhaps, that so many companies are sitting on such rich data and perhaps they just don't really know where to start or what to do with it or even what to look for within this. What are your thoughts about the data the industry has accumulated and that is currently um, accumulating? So I think it's so much more complex than I first thought. So when I did my beauty tech dinners, we asked everybody to talk about two, three concerns that they had. And one of the things was like the bigger companies, they were saying how they are sitting on all this data, but they're so big that to be able to innovate or turn it around and use it is just taking forever. And then the person who's supposed to make the decision leaves that team and everything gets slowed down and, you know, they're not really advancing. And then you obviously have brands or the DTC brands, which have some consumer data, but they say that if they're also selling with retailers, they don't get the data back from the retailers. So that's uh, so they don't actually get to learn a lot about their customers and they don't have the massive tech teams to help them, you know, personalize all this stuff using machine learning. And no one has actually cracked it for beauty specifically as of yet. So it's a double edged sword. Then the thing that makes it even more complicated, which I only realized afterwards, is that, you know, I could be talking to a CEO of a beauty company that's really big. And, you know, they might have the digital marketing person might be looking at the solution, but they might have just signed a solution which is not beauty specific, which makes sense. They didn't know a beauty specific solution existed. So they've signed a contract for one year. They can't move it around now. Or some people don't want to go back and say, we chose the wrong solution, you know. Um, so it's a lot more complicated. And then you also have people, if it's a brand or a retailer, they might want to innovate something because, you know, they're up for a promotion. They want to innovate something and launch it quickly. There's a lot of, I would say in the beauty industry, more than like the fashion, there's a lot of gimmicky stuff happening out there versus what's reality. So one of the things, I think this is my pet peeve because my passion is beauty and tech. Uh, there's a lot of press about, AI powered beauty quizzes, but they're not. They're just an Excel filter with a pretty interface. It's just that when you go shopping on a website on the left hand side, you have a filter. It's the same thing. They're just filtering. It's not improving. It's not adding new products to it. It's not removing products which are maybe out of stock in the recommendations. There's no actual machine learning happening. So I think one part is educating the team internally so that everybody can be on the same page. And then the second part is also understanding bigger companies, they need to be given some sort of freedom to be able to run experiments or try different things without maybe as much hierarchy, maybe a bit more flatter structure. And when it comes to the smaller brands, I think they are winning, right? Some larger corporates are losing market share and the D2C brands are increasing market share because they can roll things out quicker. Yeah, certainly that agility and speed to market yeah. is something that they've, they've got on the bigger brands. What are you excited about from a technology standpoint then, Nadima? I'm sure that you're sort of scanning the horizon for for what's to come and have you got anything in mind or that you're keeping a close eye on that you think will have significant implications for your business moving forward? So I mean to be honest when I look at my journey I literally started from a B2C website so 
So I'm really excited about building a tool which will actually help the end user, which is helping the client's customers. I just want to, for all women out there, and men included, I just want to make beauty shopping a really quick, easy, and pain-free experience for them, and enjoyable. So this is something I'm personally very passionate about and I want to help with. In terms of the beauty industry, the beauty industry is very far behind in technology adaptation. So I'm very excited to see lots of beauty companies now, whether they're brands or retailers, being a lot more open to adopting new technologies and seeing what we can do. And to be honest, website personalization is just the start. There's so much more you can personalize than emails and in-store and website. There's so much more you can do. Um, We've got some exciting things in the pipeline. And I think it's all about remembering, you know, what Amazon did best is remembering to serve the customer. And um, I think if everybody thinks about that, there's going to be some really cool things coming out in the beauty industry. Outside AR, which everybody's doing, I think there's a few more things coming out, which I'm excited to see. And would you say that the beauty consumer has become accustomed to it in a way that they have elsewhere with the likes of Amazon? Uh, You mentioned Netflix earlier. You know, there's an expectation that when you log on to your Netflix account, you want films to be suggested that fit your likes is that expectation truly there in beauty yet do you think so um i'm a data person (laughs) and interestingly enough like you know we've launched with some of our clients in more than one country and we can compare how it's performing in one country versus another and i'll definitely say there are some countries which have more early adopters whether it's uk or us And then you have some countries where people are a bit more still resistant to using tech-enabled tools. So I would say I can see that trend coming on. And I do think one thing in beauty, if like if you're like living in UK or if you're living in US or you know some other EU countries, you would expect that. In Asia, you would 100% expect like a more personalized, instant, perfect shopping experience. Right now, I'm in UAE. I think the expectation is not there as of yet. So it depends, I think, geographically. And if we take a look at the segments within the beauty space, are there Mm -hmm. any particular product areas or focuses that you think data and beauty tech are going to rise more sharply in first? Um, I think right now, skincare, hair care and makeup stay the strongest. I would expect there to be a lot more of that maybe in the next year or two also in body. So as you know, in the beauty industry, we're always rolling, finding out new things to sell that individual needs, right? Um, I think last year and the last two years, it's all been about wellness and sleep stuff and sleep oil for your face and for your body and bath salts, etc. So I'd expect a lot more rolling out for the body to help with uh, decision making and also electronics within the beauty space and accessories. So I'd expect a lot more to happen there as well in terms of a need of personalization. And um, just to finish, Nadima, I'm curious to hear what you would say or what you might say to any sort of skeptics that are out there in industry, anybody who's feeling slightly resistant to investing so wholeheartedly in beauty tech and platforms like the platform you have developed what would your message be to those companies today well I guess my message would be 
data doesn't lie. So, you know, if you're a bit skeptical, why not take baby steps, right? If you're a retailer, instead of launching it for every beauty category, take two, three categories or take two, three subcategories or take just one country, just test things out. Um, so Beauty Matching Engine, for instance, we have a plugin. It's just like Google Analytics. It takes less than one hour to put it in. It can personalize your whole shopping experience and digital beauty assistant. And you can be up and live and running in two weeks. So I would just say do something quick and easy for you that makes you feel comfortable. If you have a website in multiple countries, maybe start with one of your smaller websites, but give it a go. And yeah. if it doesn't work, then say no. <laughs> but yeah. I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today, Nadima. It's been fascinating to hear your journey in, in beauty tech and data and, and all of your insights on what you're doing with Beauty Match and Engine. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm just so passionate about this. I'm always happy to share my two cents. Thank you so much. Well, that's all from us at Beauty 4.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, bringing you everything you need to know about tech and innovation advances in the field.